Welcome on. Thank you for tuning into the Bad on Brace FC podcast, where we focus all things pro soccer in the DMV and at times the United States. This is Jose Omania of WTOP Sports. And joining me as always is Mario Meyer from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, roses are red. DC United wears black. Yo, get up, everybody. MLS is back. <laughs> Yep, we will talk about other things revolving the squad in a second. But first, we have to talk about what Mario just referenced. It was opening day on Saturday, and Christian Benteke stole the show, scoring a hat trick to help DC United cruise past a 10-man New England Revolution. 3-1 was the final score. Troy Lesane becomes a winner in his debut as the head coach of D.C. United, even though he was not on the touchline. Benteke scored his first off a header in the 34th minute that needed to be verified via a VAR check. That came just 10 minutes after the New England Revolution went down to 10 men due to a double red-yellow card situation. And then from there, in the second half, Carlos Hill scored the equalizer in the 67th minute. But then Beteke scored five minutes later with a tap-in to regain the lead for D.C. United. And then he finished it off with his third goal of the game, three minutes into stoppage time. He now Last season, Beteke had 14 goals. Now he's put his career MLS numbers, I believe, around the it would be 17. I think my numbers could be wrong. He's at 18 now. I think he had one more goal in that weird three-month period that he came in when he first joined the club. But DC United wins. Alex Bono gets four saves to help DC United snap. Uh, DC United get the home victory for Charlie Sane. Mario, what were your thoughts on the game in general? For DC as they prepare now to head to for a two-game road trip. They look good. I'll be honest with you. We didn't have a lot of uh, expectations with them going in with Troy Lassane as the new head coach. Uh, prior to the prior to the game on Saturday during uh, pre- during the press conference uh, before the start of the season, he said there was a lot of things that were going to be answered going into this game, and well. They were kind of answered. They played well for the most part. It was a physical game at times. I think New England was very physical, was a very physical team to, to start off with. So there's a lot of battles in the midfield. I think that the uh, red card kind of put a damper on, on things for New England in a way. Uh, Carlos Hill does whatever the hell Carlos, Carlos Hill does, to be honest with you. That was a great goal. But Christian Benteke, I think, was the star of the show. He he pretty much was just pretty much was a threat all night for DC United. And I think we said this last year. Uh Christian Benteke needs service. What did he get last night? He got service. What a novel concept. Yeah, he got a lot of service, and I think a lot of that had to do with the a lot of the additions they made. I thought you know, Pedro Santos and Aaron Herrera, both playing the wings, uh, did an excellent job. Both of them recorded assists. I thought they were just great at crossing the ball, putting it in areas um, where Benteke and others could get it. We were talking in the middle of the match how Teco Pietro had multiple opportunities, especially in the first half, where he was just taking an extra touch had he not. He probably just one-times it or the first small dribble was enough. And if he could take a launch towards goal, it probably gets a better success rate in the going in the back of the net versus taking the extra touch, losing the ball from the defender, having it dribble out of bounds, or having the goalkeeper get a chance to, you know, and dive and save for it. Uh, I thought DC looked very well in trying to do their little pr- the, the press game that you mentioned Troy saying wanted to do. Um, first 15 minutes, DC and I was flying. I thought DC could have scored in the first 15 minutes, and it, that's what you should do. Uh, we said this a lot, lot last year, um, and there was only one time where I felt DC and I did that with an opponent that they, they feel superior over, and that was against uh, Chicago. 
when you have a team that you're superior over or they're coming off of a lot of fatigue or layover or whatever, you have to take advantage and you have to take advantage at home. There was too many times last year where DC had a team on a played midweek, had a team that should have that's coming in struggling, had a team coming off of CCL competition or CCC, whatever it's called now. And they didn't take advantage. And in this case, they did. New England just looked shot. The first 30 minutes, they looked shot. And yes, they did at some point kind of like come together and, and look to try and put together a decent midfield to blockade, to do some work. But I thought that the 5-4-1 was perfect, or at times it kind of flipped over to a 5-2-3-1 formation, whatever the freak you want to call it. But I thought that the for- formation did well. But they just have to work on a lot of things. Christian Bateka kind of mentioned you have to be able to kill off a game and you have to manage a game better at the, at the post game. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I felt like DC United put off the gas a little bit in the second half, and then that's what happened. You can't leave a guy like Carlos Hill just dribbling for free. Like he was just he that shot shouldn't have happened. And he got marked on the first the first little bit of it, but like he shouldn't have gotten that far with the ball. My I'm just saying. So, kudos to them. They got the victory. That's what you should do when someone's down to 10 men. Um, and hopefully they continue forward. You know, Portland looked really good yesterday. And so, that's going to be – that's also a team that's going through a rebuilding process. And so, D.C. United should not take them lightly. I'm interested to see um, how the midfield continues to look, especially the defensive side of the ball. I was quite impressed. Um, Alex Bono had told me that he was, they were going to play less sweeper-keeper-esque. He was outside of his line a little bit, but it was more conservative than yesteryear. Where we had Tyler Miller like all the way to the 20-yard line, it felt like, it seems at some points. Where, and he was just like a chip away of being a chip away. And so I feel like Alex was very conservative. Yeah, he went out, but they're going to be smarter with their if they utilize super keeper and you could see it yesterday yeah that's true and they're a lot of their play a lot of the buildup of play, from them playing from the back was very effective like you mentioned with aaron herrera and pedro santos but i think lucas barlett put up a pretty good shift last night uh last night as well i think uh the center backs were were put on a pretty were putting on a pretty solid uh performance and remember, this is a very rebuilt, revamped back line. Didn't have Birnbaum because of injury. Several key pieces that you had on defense last year are no longer there. So you're kind of just experimenting a little bit. And they were up for the challenge. It helps a little that New England was fatigued from playing in Panama at the st- uh, midweek. But other than that, I think they were able to just pretty much Bully New England. Uh, I think the first 20 minutes of the second half, though, I think New England was able to find their footing. And, yeah, you don't give Carlos Hill that kind of room or that kind of space to just run and do whatever he does because he, he'll make you pay for it. But I think other players that uh, did pretty well, Jared Stroud, I, I was pretty impressed with his performance for the most part. I think that he put, on a good sh- put up a good shift in the midfield. Uh, Gabriel Pirati again was pretty solid, and when you got Pirati and Di Pietro, they were pretty much giving New England defenders fits for most of the game. And I think even Christian Dahomey coming in late in the second half, or just coming in guns a blazing, was, was something that you didn't really see from the team last year. But this year, it, it looks like that's kind of what Troy wants to implement in their game plan and. And ha- and it kind of worked because Christian Dahomey was also giving fits to the New England uh, defenders, and he w- and he was the fresher man. So uh, I think with that, yeah, there's still things I think they need to work on, but it, it helps getting the first ga- first win of the season, especially going on a two game road trip, and one of them involves going out to the West Coast to play at Portland, who looked equally impressive. Well, equally impressive in their in their in the Phil Neville era against Colorado, who was also debuting a head coach. So, yeah, I think for the most part, D.C. United played really well. I think they if they keep it up, they should be fine. But I think there's still work to be done uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, one of the things I think will be interesting to watch is, 
you know, there was a lot of praise for, and then we can move on to the next topic. Um, I thought Jared Stroud, like you said, played well. Same thing that I said about Ted. It was just like an extra touch here or there. He should have scored um, with the volley, but it hit the crossbar right before halftime. Uh, he had a great one-timer, but in the six-yard box, but it hit the crossbar. Um, I just think that when you have someone like Gabriel Pirani, who's got this, you know, people want to see him play. The coaching staff is going to have to decide, are we going to play him? Right now he was in that midfield role. There were times where he kind of was just standing there begging for the ball when the attack is moving forward centrally. Um, he was just out stranded on the, the left wing, just not really doing much until the second half. It seemed like the, the, there were a lot of changes. He was playing more centrally. So to me, it's either is Pirani going to play centrally in the midfield to help with like quick passes to the wingers? Or if he's going to play wing, do you want to play him in that left side wing where you currently have a, a Jerry Stroud? Like I, you can be right either way, but you can't just have Priani not doing much. I think that that's a wasted asset. You 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 spent the money to keep him on a on a full time deal versus a loan. Now you have to see what he can do. Can he be the man? And so I'm interested to see what DC does with him and uh, with Stroud. Stroud has you know great pedigree coming from St. Louis, so it's a good problem to have. Um, <laughs> that you have two people who can play in that wing role that's as part of a three attack, three-headed attack, um, or you can move Priyani, like I said, in the middle of the midfield and just make sure you have cover behind him in the wings. So it, it's it's a work in progress for sure, and we heard Troy Lassane talk about it that they're proud of what they saw, but now they want to see a full game with eleven on eleven. They didn't really have that. Um, after 25 minutes against the Rebs. So I, I, that's what I'm going to keep an eye on, for sure. Right. But other than that, I think it, uh, a victory is always great to start with the year, and uh, it, it heads in the right direction. So the Troy Lassane era, it starts off on the right foot. Exactly. Um, moving on to other topics, we have to talk about what's going on in the supporter section of Field. If you were watching the game, from your television set, you would notice it was a very much quieter affair than usual. And that is because of what we began on Monday as five supporters groups turned into six who protested um, not to have organized singing or chanting or flags or drums during United's first four home matches, starting with the season opener in response to the team's trip to Saudi Arabia. And this decision continued, even though the supporters were able to meet with uh, ownership about their concerns. So the quickest way of summarizing this, in short, DC United went via preseason to Saudi Arabia, played four matches. Supporters didn't have the opportunity to really voice their concerns. And when they came back, the week before the season started, boom, they announced that they were going to five supporter groups, the District Ultras, Road Rooms Collective, 202 Unique, La Banda Distrito, uh, and Buzzard Point Social said they would do this protest. And then the next day, Screaming Eagles, uh, largest supporter group by uh, the of the team, said they will also stand in solidarity of the protest. And make donations to uh, human rights causes. So, right before season opener, uh, ownership met with these supporter groups in a, in a last-minute meeting. Um, I recommend, if you haven't, listened to the RFK Refugees podcast, where they kind of discuss the, the goings-on and what's happening uh, we will play Don Rankin from Buzzard Point Social about the protests and the decision in a second. But this last second meeting happened. Jason Levy and told supporters the club did not receive any money, allegedly, that the club uh, covered some costs. The club uh, offered the chance to meet a Saudi ambassador, and that was shut down. 
Um, there's reports of uh, Steve Goff from the Washington Post had said this is the beginning of a partnership with the Soccer Federation of Saudi Arabia. Ownership told fans at this meeting there are no plans right now to continue the partnership. However, there was no guarantee that they couldn't engage in anything or maybe ha- maybe have teams from Saudi Arabia play at a future tournament in D.C. in the future. There's a lot going on. Then you get to the game on Saturday. The atmosphere is very tepid. You had your usual stragglers that would cheer about D.C. United, even if D.C. United was losing 11-0. But otherwise, it was a very quiet night. No... Where in a night where the fireworks were very lacking <laughs> for an opening day, um, it would have been nice to have you know the drums, the flags in that wind blowing, having our supporters do their thing. But it was a quieter atmosphere to say at least. Before again, we played Don from uh, Buzzer Point Social. Mario, what were your thoughts on the supporters' decision? Real quickly on what they did. I mean, they're justified. Uh, I think that when it, when it comes down to it, it wasn't a very popular decision. Uh, I I could definitely say that. And, you know, get, given that I, I know that this is something that that sometimes people don't want to mix politics with sports, but sometimes it, it, it just kind of intertwines a little bit. But it's one of those things where, A, it wasn't a popular decision. It wasn't something that you could t- – I guess you could justify it away, but you can't really totally justify it, especially with a city as political as D.C. People are not going to be happy and they're going to voice their opinions about it. So them protesting the club's decision to go into Saudi Arabia in a way is just them voicing their opinions and disapproving of what the club has did with going to Saudi Arabia. Now, I think the, the club meeting with the supporters to talk about this was something that was necessary, but I'll be I'll be quite frank with you. Jason Levy and offering the supporters to be with a Saudi uh, ambassador was a pretty dumb move in his part. I don't understand why you would do that. That's not where they were going this with that, and you failed to read the room on that one literally. So, um, yeah, it it sucks that there. It sucks because the atmosphere was a little more tepid than usual last night, but you understand where they're coming from. And I, I honestly believe that, A, it's, a fun, it's a, something that's frustrating for them because it, it's something that wasn't very popular. Yeah, Inter-Miami did go to Saudi Arabia, but you kind of expected that in part because Messi does have a partnership with Saudi Arabia. But yeah, I think that uh, in the grand scheme of things, like you don't want to piss off your fan base, and I feel like that's what the club did with going to Saudi Arabia. So it's a weird situation, and it's something that fans have a right to protest. Yeah, I'll have Don kind of take over from here. I spoke with Don on Wednesday before the meeting with uh jason levian again if you want more clear insight of what that meeting was about i recommend you go to rfk refugees podcast they did a very good job of allowing three supporters that were there including the president of the buzzard point social group this is don he's the representative that spoke to me about what the protest is about, what how it came about, and basically what they're looking to achieve from it. He kind of touches on what Mario brought up about Miami um, in this interview as well. It's slightly edited to cut out some of the things that have changed. Again, this was done prior to meeting with ownership. Can you tell me a little bit about Buzzer Point Social and how it was formed and how long you guys been a supporter group? Absolutely. Um, we started, um, our birthday is January 1st of 2023. Um, so last year was our first year. We weren't very visible because we, we had a small core of membership, um, but we weren't charging dues. So um, no money to do flag or t-shirts or anything. We were just a group of friends that uh, we were having we have meetings on uh, on Discord, 
our motto is Uncub Peratoros. We encompass DC United, Washington Spirit, and Loudoun United, and the Maryland Bobcats, the four professional clubs in the area that we feel like, because we have friends that root for all, that support all the clubs, and, um, you know, there wasn't anything like that except for, you know, um, you know, Rose Room and 202, they kind of, they're in the spirit scene, but, you know, we wanted to encompass all four clubs, uh, all four professional clubs in the area. So the off season comes, DC United makes the announcement of their, their preseason being hosted in Saudi Arabia. Can you take us back a bit into time and what was your general reaction and what was your group's reaction and what, ultimately led to this form of protest that you guys are planning? To be honest, when the off season came, I think a lot of people did check out. We knew about the Saudi pro uh, about the Saudi trip. Um, and I think it was just kind of bubbling on their knees. Um, and so once uh, preseason started and was when the feelings really started coming back up. Um, you know, democracy and member feedback are huge hallmarks of our group. Um, each member of our board is uh, was elected by a by our small initial founding members. So um, when we when our members started to come to us about this, when we would have our meetings. Um, we knew that, you know, we thought as a board that we should have said something um, right off the bat when once they announced the trip. Um, but we didn't. We dropped the ball on that. And we'll fully own that. But our members, once the uh, trip actually happened, was like, hey, are we going to do something about this? And so cause we had, our, we had a, uh, a meeting prior to the meeting that we had, not this past Monday, but the Monday before with uh, Nelson and Troy Lassane and and uh, GM Mackay, Ali Mackay. So, you know, it was brought up in that meeting to us, hey, ask these guys about it. So we did. And we got kind of a standard, you know, we weren't here at the time um, when those plans were being made. So, um, but we will take your feedback and assure you that we will use, we will use your values uh, when we plan future preseason, uh, our future preseason plans. And we were like, you know, that's fair enough. We, un- we completely understand that, especially Troy. Um, he just, just came on board. And so, you know, we were like, you know what? We, um, we need to talk to the people that have made this decision, the ownership. So we did reach out through our supporters liaison, Nelson, um, Nelson Fuentes, and he and the response that we got back was, well, if you guys are uh, going to continue your protest, just um, let me know what kind of banners you're going to be using um, so we can get you cleared before game day like okay so basically ownership said no way and so we decided that we were going to go about the protest and i think the sentiment was expressed among us and the leaders of rose room and 202 unique and the district ultras that we wanted to make sure everyone was involved the supporters scene in D.C. has been very fragmented over the last few years. That That's uh, being nice about it. So, um, But we really wanted to make an effort to get everyone involved because this is our club and we wanted to make sure that, you know, strength in numbers, right? So the more, you know, the louder we are, the more they can't ignore us. 
Thanks for laying it all out. Um, so with that meeting with club officials, with Troy and everyone, was that like the supporter groups or just your group? No, that was all the supporters groups. Um, all the all the sanctioned groups were uh, represented in that meeting. It's a normal um, preseason meeting. Um, last year, we did not have the coach and GM uh, present at the meeting. This year, we did. And um, Troy and Ali made it a point to say that they want to continue these conversations with us, you know, for not just beginning of season, maybe the end of season, in the middle of the season. So they were very open to that. So for those who haven't seen the statement you guys released, can you explain what the protest's going to be for the next four matches? The protest will be no flag, no organized singing, and no drums for the first four games to symbolize the four preseason games they played in Saudi Arabia. For those who don't know, why take such a stand against the fact that they went to have a trip uh, in Saudi Arabia? Like, what is the significance of that? And why why be upset by that decision-making process? The Saudi uh, government um, is a very repressive regime with um, that commits very uh, terrible crimes against women and the LGBT community. And you know, very high profile and almost in broad daylight murdered a journalist um, of, from the Washington Post um, in one of their own embassies. So we really do not want our club to take money from people like that. It was especially important to make sure to our LGBT members of the supporters uh, scene of our general fan base that to show them that we've got their back. Um, as I said earlier, our motto is Un Club Para Todos, a club for all. And so that means that doesn't just mean that we support all the clubs in the area. That means if you root for one of those clubs, you are welcome with us, you are welcome with us no matter what your race, your religion, your sexual orientation. You are welcome and you are um, an age. We have uh, um, one of our board members is 17. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that we make sure that they, that any marginalized group knows we have their back and that they are welcome in this community. And we feel like that message from D.C. United taking their money and going over there, um, that made them feel like outsiders, like they, like they may not belong with this community, but they do. What's the response you've received so far from the supporter groups around the league? We have Red Bull fans and Philly fans and Columbus fans. You know, people that aren't necessarily always okay with us, you know, jumping in and saying, good for you guys. We really appreciate that you're doing this. And hopefully, hopefully this sort of response from you guys will make our clubs think twice next uh, if they decide, if they are um, trying to, if they want to maybe make that trip next time, maybe they'll look at this um, response from your group saying, well, maybe we shouldn't do this because it'll enrage our fan base as well. So the response from around from other fan groups around the league has been uh, very positive. Um, we've gotten we've gotten a lot of messages from our friends in Swansea, um, who uh, Jason and Steve also own Swansea City, and. They are completely on board with it, and they want to help out as much as they can as well. Some would say, from the outside looking in, you know, some that don't follow sports, we ask, well, 
why take this approach versus, you know, maybe not attending matches, not giving the club any money, not buying products. What would you say to that person who's, again, either new to the sport or trying to understand the protest and may ask, why not just not go? We've heard those uh, comments as well. And what I would say, and I have said, is, um, first of all, we want to support the players on the field um, by being there. We're still going to cheer when they score. You know, there's just not going to be any organized singing. So that's the first thing is that we, we don't want to leave our players out because they, the players and the coaching staff did not make this decision. Um, but we have to make a stand somewhere. And we decided that this was going to be the best course of action. Um, and personally, I'm not one to tell someone how to, to stay away. And I feel like solidarity is key to this. I mean, if you have some members of supporter groups going, some that won't, um, I feel like personally that waters down any sort of message. Um, now, it may be less full, but I feel like if we had, I feel like silence speaks volumes. And that if we are silent, but we're here, we're supporting our players but we are sending a message to the club. Um, last year, for the last three home games of the year, we put up a Casper out banner. Um, Dave, Dave Casper's been there for a long time, but now he's basically, uh, he's still there, but he's basically cut out of any sort of soccer decision-making. I forget which signing it was. I think it might have been the um, Pirani, uh, making Pirani permanent signing. Ali Makai told us that Dave wasn't even looped in. He found out through the media, basically, when they made that decision. So we feel like just showing up and making a, making a point in the stadium will be an effective form of protest. Now one would see the calendar and see the Inter Miami game. Has you know? Has there any been any pushback by any of your fellow membership or any of the other supporter groups? Have you guys heard of any pushback? Considering that that's going to be one of the probably the most publicized, most heavily attended matches of the season. Um, no pushback that. Uh, no pushback from our members. Um, as you may know, the Screaming Eagles have their own statement and are doing it their own way. And we completely get that. They, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. And that is perfectly fine. As far as the Miami match, from our membership, Miami went to Saudi Arabia too. So it, it goes even double for that. Like, we are on board with the protests for that match, especially because they also went to uh, Saudi Arabia. I have heard from some Miami fans that are proud of us and disappointed in their own supporters for not raising the same concerns that we have. All eyes are on us, so we need to be on our game even more during the Miami game. If anyone else would like to be involved in this, what would you recommend if they plan to go to the stadium for any of these four matches? Um, if you are if you are coming to the matches and you are standing in the Chico stand with us, just cheer, but there will be no, no singing, no organized singing, and no flags. So just be aware that that's what's going on and why. And um, to the outside, you know, just, just uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes when this stuff happens, uh, you know, one of our 
one of our drummers is like, he feels like he gets told to shut up and drum. And so we just ask people to be patient with us. We want, we want to provide the best atmosphere, but we have to make a point. And we can't let, we can't let this type of blood money, um, come into our club and we can't, we got to make sure that they know that it's not okay. Is there anything else uh, that I didn't ask that you would like to get out there? I know you said that there's a meeting currently going on um, and that will probably come out. <laughs> Any information from that's going to probably come out what tomorrow, I'm assuming. Um, yes, I do believe so. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll fill you in with those details. Um, when I get them. Um, but, you know, if you are uh, along those lines, if you're a season ticket holder and you're upset by, by the Saudi uh, preseason trip and the potential to grow that relationship, let the club know. Let your ticket rep know. The more they know, the more people they know that are upset by this, the less likely they're, they're going to do it again. Mario, you also had the opportunity to speak to a supporter. Uh, what did you hear uh, while talking to supporters on the ground before, during game day? The supporter I got to speak with was basically just telling me how this protest came about. This will, they, When they heard the uh, rumblings uh, when it was originally rumored that they were going to Saudi Arabia, they were just pretty much exp uh, telling me how this protest came about, how they felt that the club going to Saudi Arabia was just kind of like something that they did not agree with. Well, well, well we're keeping this uh, fan anonymous per his request, but we thought it was important and insightful to hear from a, a fan's perspective. So this is their thoughts. So the first question I have is how did the, all the supporter supporters groups come together and uh, decided to come up with this protest? Well, I can just tell you our side. So uh, the second we saw that it was officially announced, I, I think there was some rumors about it earlier, but we didn't really react to that because, you know, rumors. Once it was officially announced, uh, we basically had some chats amongst the, the core group of us in the following days, and we just decided, you know, four games over there, we'll just do four games here. Of, of, of you know not doing our typical thing which is our flags or banners and our drums and uh you know it was, it was pretty simple i mean we all know what sports washing is we've seen it uh we had had some conversations for years on and off on our facebook page and things like that about like guitar and stuff like that uh some of our members such as myself i didn't watch any of the last world cup i just it just disgusted me uh you know i work with a lot of trades people and stuff like that reading all the stuff about the migrant workers and stealing passports and stuff just didn't sit right with me so you know it was, it was a pretty simple decision that was back in like january uh you know we were posting a bunch of stuff on our instagram about you know the dangers of saudi arabia and their human rights things and uh so that was that was that and uh and then as far as how it came together i think um you know, we had a meeting with the team, our regular preseason meeting, mm -hmm. and I think uh, some of them saw us taking our stuff out of the room and were curious what we were doing, and we're like, we're, we're taking it out. We're, you know, we don't we don't want it at the stadium. Um, so that was pretty much it. And that's pretty much been it. And then they kind of you know started their thing, and you know we've just kind of been going along with it. Uh, so earlier uh, in the middle of the week, you guys had a meeting with uh, several members of each uh, supporters group had a, mem uh, a meeting with ownership. How did that come about and who in the club actually reached out to you to, to, to start the to come up with the with the idea for the meeting? Well, uh, you know, we were just reached out by a gentleman named you probably know Nelson. Uh, he's uh, pretty much our supporter liaison. He's got he's got an official title with the team, supporter something. He just called and said, "Are you available tomorrow afternoon?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd make myself available." And that was pretty much it. And I guess the last question I have is, uh, where where does everybody still stand stand with this whole situation? Uh, has there been any more attempts by the club to reach out to you guys about the protest uh, after the meet after the meetings that were held earlier in the week? No, I mean, they didn't even, we didn't even really discuss the protest, really, with them, maybe a little bit. 
But I mean, I, th I think that, you know, they, they did their thing. We're doing our thing. And that's pretty much it. It's, there's, I mean, to me, there's not much more to it than that at this point. Uh, we've always been a group that is a little bit, you know, we're about action. We're about coming down here, talking to people, uh, talking in person, having conversations. And, uh, you know, we hope that we're representing uh, our members and, and the people that we've had in our group over the past couple of years who've come from all different backgrounds. And, uh, you know, and that's pretty much it. So it, it's as simple as they did one thing for four games. We won't do our thing for four games. And then we'll just have to continue to see how it plays out. So here's my thoughts real quick on this. Uh, yes, it's going to continue for three more matches, including the Messi game. I think it's perfectly placed for the Messi game. It should happen at the Messi game, to be honest with you. I think Inter-Miami skated because a little bit of what you said, oh, Messi has a prior commitment with, with Saudi. That doesn't mean quack to me. A journalist was murdered in Saudi Arabia because he wrote some bad he wrote against the regime. You know, women aren't allowed to have civil rights because of religious reasons. LGBTQ plus people aren't allowed to be themselves in this country. And if they attempt to, or if even if they attempt to leave so they can be themselves and are found out they are persecuted and charged like criminals. To me it's a slippery slope, and I think, I think it was mentioned by a supporter that how can you trust this ownership to save face, to not sell shares of this club to Saudi Arabia, and that's a very good point to to raise. I don't know anything about right now if they plan to have a possible sale of the team. I don't know anything of that nature per se. I but clearly this club. When it wants to spend, it will spend. And when it doesn't want to spend, it will look for any fountains of youth to get free money from other places. We saw that with the crypto deal. We saw that with Flow Sports. And so for me, as a supporter outside looking in, as a journalist, but like taking myself out of that journalism hat and just looking at it from the broad scope of things – I can't help but think that this is of a thing that maybe it's ownership stake. Maybe it's more than just bringing Saudi teams here to be normalized. You know, they're, they're trying really hard to make the Saudi Pro League feel normal in the soccer world, in soccer space. They're spending money like crazy. It's but, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's not normal. Yes, they're spending spending money like crazy to make the Saudi League a world power, a, a, a powerhouse league. But it's not, and also I think I'm with you on this uh, on your on your uh, take on it. Saudi Arabia has a track record, or not such a great track record of of basic human rights violations. It's out there. It's out there in the open. It's a slippery slope when you when you align yourself with Saudi Arabia. You see it with other sports because it's easy. Like say Formula One and boxing, it's easier because yeah, uh, granted those sports are popular. They're not as popular as soccer, and with when it comes to soccer, it's different. It's a much more communal kind of a sport in a way. And with Saudi Arabia just throwing money off the wazoo for to bring big names, if people aren't following the names, it, it, it isn't something that's that people can totally get behind. And I think with the ownership, you one thing you do tend to forget here is it's a very political city. Everybody's going to have an opinion. And right now it's not looking good for the club just going to Saudi Arabia. So, they, again, it's a slippery slope. But on, honestly, in, in, my, in my opinion, it's just one of those things where you're probably better off not doing. But, again, that's just my two cents on it. Right, and all I'm going to say about ownership, and we'll end with this, I'm just assuming here. I don't like assuming, but what I will say is when they want to spend, they spend, and when they don't want to spend, they'll look for every excuse not to spend. And it's clear, I think I heard in the podcast, if you look up J.C. Levy and the other owners' uh, net worth, it's not a lot. DC United's value is based more on property than it is the actual club and the money it's making. Don't forget, they want to build something in Boston, in Baltimore. 
They own the practice facilities in Loudoun County. They just de-invested themselves in Loudoun United, but they're still like somewhat, you know, because they're nearby. They're somewhat invested in a way because of academy kids or anything of that nature. While they probably think they need investment, that doesn't mean they have to. The fans should accept whoever they get investment from. They shouldn't just accept it because oh, it's money. There's a different parallel to how DC United fans are responding versus Swansea fans, who Jason Levine also owns. When there was a report that us that another one of Jason's partners was in Saudi Arabia this weekend, all the Swansea supporters said, "Please buy us." Because they see it as a track to the Premier League, even though that's been proven a hundred times over that it's not true. And then you see DC United supporters. They're like, we don't want this blood money involved in our sport. And th- that was something Don clearly stated in his interview with us. The messy game, all eyes are on them. Like they, Don said it best. All eyes are on them to show that they don't want sports washing. We saw the banner during the opening day. If... Fans in the U.S. get a lot of flack. Oh, they're not well-informed. They're not keeping up, this, that, and the third. They are well-informed. And when you piss them off to a point where they feel like there's no coming back, they will show you. And I think this is one of those cases where the club tried to do something for money. The fans didn't like it. They hated the idea. And they're pushing back. And real quick, I have to address this. I'm very happy to say we don't see a lot of the Seppi Salazarization of the mindset that we saw when Wayne Rooney was signed, which is what do the Latino fans think? This is not a separate issue where you like, oh, what do the Latino fans think? What do the white fans think? What do the black fans think? What do the LGBTQ fans think? This should be universal. If you feel that your club should not be here taking blood money from a con- from an from an organization, a country, a, a, an athletic committee, you don't agree with whether it's religiously, uh, with values, all this kind, of, whatever you think, feel free to voice that. And I think that's the key thing here. The majority of people agree that DC United should not be teaming up with Saudi Arabia. And I'm glad that the majority of people are going, yeah, this is a this is a full issue, a full issue, not, oh, but this is such the white fans trying to, uh, 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 you know, genderfy our sport. Like, no, that's not what this is about. Do you, as a fan, care that they're selling their soul just to get a couple million dollars? That's it. Because what? They don't want to help sell out the stadium. They don't want to spend the extra money to get another DP star. They don't want to do it. So they'll go get something so that they don't have to work for your dollar. They think your dollar is well spent because they've already jacked up your prices for $30. They want to get more money. So instead of finding ways to please you as the fan and actually going to win games, they want to stick a partnership with someone that you don't approve of. Are you cool with that? That's the way you have to say it. Are you cool with murder? Are you cool with discrimination? Are you cool with innocent people going to jail? If you're cool with all those three things, then brother, I'll pick another team to support. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all I really can say. Because if you're trying, we're, we're trying to say this club should not be engaging with these, with this kind of, rhetoric and if you think i don't care i just want to win then brother like the wizards need help they need your support (laughs) (laughs) like they need your support the the commanders need your support because it it, clearly this isn't the club for that right all fails you can always be a capitals fan because clearly you you see it by the protest we're there the fan the fan base ain't gonna stand by dog and that that's pretty much it you could join the Capitals and the Wizards because they have uh, Qatari money that no one bi- um, no one was angry about. No one. Not a peep came out. But at, this one was different. Like you said, this sport is communal. It welcomes everyone. It attempts to welcome everyone. And everyone feels welcome. It's the world's game. So I feel like 
enough is said there. If, if you really didn't have an issue with this, or you feel like, oh, this is this, that, and the third, the Wizards would love your support because they have Qatari money. You clearly see that's helping the roster. Oh, yeah, you know. Well, of <laughs> they course. Have, Jordan so, Poe is such a great investment. <laughs> But that that's my two cents. I didn't want to give it at the top. Wanted to just lay it out so everyone understands. And I want to thank Don for talking to us. I want to thank that supporter for talking to us. Um, and anyone who participates, um, we welcome to hear your feedback. But that's enough for us here at the Bad Hombres FC podcast. Um, before we let you go, Mario, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you and follow the work that you are doing in the next couple of weeks. All right. You want to see what uh, my future articles that are coming up or if you just want a tutorial on how to, you know, make a pie, you can follow me on Twitter or X. I don't care what you call it at Mario Amaya one. You can follow me on Instagram as well at M underscore Amaya 91. You want to know what's going on in the world around you? Just want to know what's going on in the DMP. You can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino, at Instagram, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you just want to put money in my pocket, you can get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand. And don't forget those big old stand, orange stands that said El Tiempo Latino gratis at your local metro stations or anywhere you see them today. Okay, and <laughs> I can't top that. Um, all I can <laughs> say is uh, follow me on all my socials, Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always, again, McLeod and Protect for the intro music. Remember, please read and subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all your audio platforms, all of you on Amazon. Thank you for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Tell your Alexa to keep you tuned in. To the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.